the street is where we create. We call it suburbanpreneurship. Mixing big company resources with an entrepreneurial spirit. We're about pushing the pace, leaderhood, and making our mark. Electric people. I'm Ty Williams. Usually I have Adam McClellan here with me, but it's kind of weird to have a co-host on the East Coast and one on the West Coast. So I filled in for him today. And we sat with Sandy Anuris, who is the CTO of Sunrun. And she's had an incredible career. So she's, she's had a 22-year career in innovative tech. And she's worked at companies like Expedia. She's worked at Blockable. She worked at uh, Stash Hotel Rewards. Um, she went to college at Rice University, just like a really dynamic and kind of eclectic background. But one of the consistencies of Sandy is she takes things kind of in their cutting edge. Like you look at a place like Stash Hotel Rewards. She was kind of there when they first started using um, rewards as kind of currency. And um, her ability to take new ideas and turn them into streamless solutions that we all use. Uh, same thing happened with Expedia. So she was at Expedia when kind of like the day of the travel agent phased out and people started doing it themselves. She was a big part of figuring out how to make a seamless, easy travel experience for everyday users. Now I just think it's awesome that she's here at Sunrun at a time when our technology is emerging, when we have a pretty complex custom construction project that her and her team are figuring out how to do what she does and make really easy. So on top of that, she's a great leader. We spent a lot of our conversation talking about her philosophy on leading people and how she makes uh, everything work with a world-class team. So sit back and enjoy Sandy Anuris, CTO at Sunrun. We look good whenever we're ready to go. What other fun facts? Sorry, what were you saying? Oh, uh, so during the, so I have lots of energy in case you haven't noticed. And so during the pandemic, um, I started annoying my husband since we were in Seattle, we locked down really hard pretty early as well. And so we were trapped together, just the two of us and our dog. And I started just annoying him because there's nothing else to spend my energy on. So uh, he's good at redirecting me. And so I've, I got the GIA um, Applied Jewelry Professional Certificate. Of course you did. Because it was free. So what does that mean? You just like became a jeweler? Uh, I'm not a jeweler, but uh-huh. um, I could go work for a jewelry store now. Really? Yeah. So You just learn- want to have that certification in case <laughs> things like revolutionizing the tech world change or something? Yeah, or what? you know, if, if, just in case the technology executive thing doesn't work out, I can go sell jewelry. Go work at a jewelry side. store? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you have that thing that a lot of like successful people have where you have like, you're like, okay, if this doesn't work out, at least jewelry store is a good example. I could work at a jewelry store when really there's 10 billion options for you. But like, I to yeah, you always have, to, you always have to have five backup options. But I find like, like super bag, successful bag people have weird, syndrome. yeah, they have a weird backup option. For example, like I always said, okay, if things don't work out in sales, I could probably manage the gap. I don't dress at the gap. Like I don't wear gap clothes. That's very specific. I know it's weird. I have this other guy that's one of our top sellers. His name is Vasso. And he's always like, well, if this doesn't work out, I could be a greeter at Walmart. And I'm like, no, you're like hyper talented. You can do anything, but it's this thing. Why that did you all choose those specific stores? That's what I'm asking you. Why did you choose well, like I love to be a jeweler. I love jewelry mm-hmm. and um, I, I didn't choose a specific jewelry store. I didn't say yeah. Zales or something. Yeah. So I find it interesting that you chose the Gap. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a weird I mean, thing. What, why not Banana Republic? Right. Well, that would you could have gone work. the high end well, one. That would never work. I'm not a Banana Republic type guy. I'm definitely not a Gap guy, but that's how the phenomenon works. Okay. Well, you know? my, my other option is to open a bakery 
And so I've thought through this. But that's weird too. See what I'm saying? That's like not you're weird. you're a tech executive opening a bakery as your backup plan in your mind. No, no, because it's science at the end of the day. Okay. So it's going to be a sourdough bakery mm. and you, it's going to be called, you get what you get, no complaining. Okay. And I get to make whatever, I'm going to sell whatever. And yeah. then when I'm done selling whatever I've sold for the day, I'm going to just shut down. That's and awesome. You can't order stuff. You can't complain. And, and you'd have like the kind of like, you do this after you're all, you know, you've got the money you need for the rest of your life. So it's like, you don't care if you sell one roll or if the line's out the door and people are bummed when it closes at 11 a.m. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. So there's that as an option. And then um, my dog has an Instagram. What's your dog's Instagram? It's dandan underscore esky. What so, kind of dog is it? Oh, she's an American Eskimo. Oh, She's very awesome. cute. And so she gives leadership advice. So oh, you've heard great. the term authentic leadership, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's hashtag authentic leadership. And, of course. And she gives all sorts of great leadership advice. And so that's my backup backup plan is to make my dog a celebrity. You are very well-rounded. You have like an all-weather career backup plan. Exactly. Like it's like you happens. have to diversify your skill set. That's amazing. So in your... <laughs> What is this, three months now? Three Are you months. in your four months at Sunrun? Just entered into the fourth month. How's it been? It's been amazing and a wild ride. Um, learned a lot about the solar industry and how bonkers it is. The solar coaster, I think people call it. Yeah. And it is... Had, it's real, right? It is real. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's emotional. And there are highs and there are lows and there's tariffs and there's mm -hmm. governments enacting random regulations on us. But... I love it. Every day that I'm here, my heart is filled with the people I get to work with, the problems that we're working on, and knowing that we're like making a difference in the world yeah. and in climate change. Um, something that I wrote in my blog post when I first joined was just around, as a technologist, where else would you want to spend your time yeah. but in helping make a difference in the world? And the biggest problem of our generation is climate change. And so I'm... I'm really excited. I jump out of bed every morning just to ready to start the day, ready to say, how can we push the ball just another six inches forward today? Um, and yeah, it's been amazing so far, but that's cool. What's, what surprised you the most? Like, cause I'm trying to think when I got into solar, you know, I'm on the sales side and I'd sold before, but I had the what same. What did you thought. sell? I was at Vivint Inc. So we did smart home. Oh, you, you were from smart yeah, home. I did okay. smart home for 10 years and then came to solar. And so like a lot of like the people and culture and stuff was similar, but I was very surprised at how different, not just the product was, but the business, like the business is all, a lot of guys that transition from one sale to another quickly learn that they have to become better like business people because it's complex, right? Like yeah. you cross the street into another utility and everything is different. You cross the street into another, you know, you, 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 a different election happens and something shifts. And you're like, wait, wait, what was that? Like, and how's that going to impact us? You know, you have to read on your business. We read about the solar industry every single day. We follow all these different things. We've had experts on this show. Like you really have to get better quickly. That's from sales, but I'm interested because your career has been one of taking things that I use that are pretty easy. So like you spend a lot of time at Expedia for me as an end user, Expedia is a piece of cake. I, no one taught me how to use it. I just hop on there and go. But when you were coming into the business and we were like saying, hey, Sandy's coming and she's going to make everything better. Uh, <laughs> I started thinking about the complexity of travel. Like I'm one person in one place trying to get to another place. But there's millions of people at a different time, at a different place that need to line up at that exact same spot. And so 
for me, it's awesome because I look at it and I never thought about how complex it was before. I just click the thing. Oh, yep, there's the flight. I get it. I move right through. Do you want a car? Sure, I'll get a car and I'm done, right? But when you're looking at Sunrun and all the complexities, what has surprised you most about the solar industry? Like what is something that you that you didn't think of until you like started working on the problem? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think um, what surprised me the most is how complex we've made it for ourselves. Really, residential solar has really exploded as an industry just in the last, let's 15 years, yeah, right? right? And so given that we started in you know the mid-2000s, we had the opportunity to be able to lay a foundation of simplicity, yeah. and we didn't. Right. And so I think that's the thing that surprised me the most is that um, a lot of operational process, a lot of, you know, a lot of people and human power that we've had to put behind the process of actually getting a sale through the process and then finally the installation and um, working with each jurisdiction to make sure that we're staying aligned with the policies of each uh, township. I think mm-hmm. I think that's been really interesting to see how that works. And so what's been what's been interesting is that I'm seeing a lot of parallels to where we are today with solar and where the travel industry actually was in like the late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah, I was going to ask if it's yeah. if we uniquely overcomplicated it or if we just started working on the problem, like started building a house without a blueprint and like thinking what kind of house is this going to be? And if it's similar to other industries, like, is this pretty normal? Like, do most people start down the road and then get 15 years and are like, hold on, we need to wipe this slate clean and rethink this? Yeah, I think a lot of startups are that way. And um, especially with Sunrun and Vivint being just these massively growing startups Mm -hmm. in the 2010s and then coming together. And this is the right time to take a step back and say, okay, wait, we put a lot of people power, a lot of human capital against solving some of these problems. And we did make things complex because it was necessary at the time um, from an operational perspective. But where can we start peeling back the onion now to simplify so that we can go um, more volume, more at scale, and really thinking about how do we reach that mass market? Mm. Um, I think what's interesting now is that, you know, when we talk about travel, it's like, you know, in the 2000s, whenever Expedia first came around, travel was already mass market. People wanted to travel. They knew how to travel and they knew to go to the travel agent to go get that done. And so the next step was really e-commerce and that made a whole lot of sense. And so I think, you know, solar in the 2000s and early 2010s was really, it was a specialty product. And so automation probably didn't make sense in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways. And so trying to make it cheaper um, for the homeowner was was the priority above and beyond removing friction in other ways. Yeah. But now as we enter into 2022 and beyond, it's going to be really interesting to see how do we allow mass adoption to happen now um, with a simple uh, financial product as well. And so I think that's the thing that surprised me the most was the complexity of the pricing um, both in terms of the sales process and the financial products underlying it, um, and and then the operational bits that um, then layer on top of it because of that complexity. Yeah, it'd be kind of like if um, you know you're building a custom home. So say there's a custom home builder that builds five homes a year, and they're you know every job is a one-off bespoke like thing. Well, then maybe everybody wants a custom home, and you have to start doing custom in a mass adoption way. Cause right. we always say that solar is a, it, it is a custom construction project, Correct, right? Your house is different than my house. 
as far as usage, as far as the way we plug things in, what we plug in, the way we live in it. It's That's different. right. And the trees and the obstructions, yeah. it's, it's and, all and different. The, and the layout and everything and the, the way your house aspirates and all that kind of stuff. And so it's, it's actually kind of cool because that is really what separates, I believe, Sunrun from other people that are kind of trying to find who they are in the space right now is we do custom. We do. And we mm-hmm. do it for, we do a lot of volume, but we really do do it for the customer. There's a lot of opportunity there too. But one of the things that I'll say about like competitors, like when I look at Tesla, one of the things I'll, te- I'll say about Tesla is there's some things that Tesla does right. It's super sexy, really streamlined, really easy. You could like accidentally buy solar from Tesla, right? But what they don't do is they don't do custom and they don't do customer service. They just don't do it. That's right. right. It's, just, it's just not what they do. It's not bad. It's just different, right? Right. And so the cool thing is when I look at your like career history and even like what you say, like the way you describe yourself, like in your profile is pragmatic technological solutions to enable business. Right. Right. So that's it. You're kind of like built to do this at this time, right? Like it's pretty cool. Like I can see why you're excited to come to work because on one hand, there's this super important product that is already working. Right. And now we're entering this era where what we've been doing is not going to work. You've got to find a better way to do it. And you're one of like the few people on the planet highly qualified to like see us through to the next step. It's kind of awesome. It's really pretty cool. Actually, I was telling Mary during my interview process that my senior thesis was a solar powered boat. Oh, really? Yeah. Back at Rice University in 2000, wow. we, our team built this solar powered boat to compete in a and you uh, studied mechanical engineering, mechanical that engineering. That's okay. right. That's right. Um, and we entered in solar splash and back then solar panels were these huge monstrosities, yeah. super heavy yeah. and like real, like glass, glass, heavy glass. And, um, it was just fascinating. It's like, wow, we can actually harness the power of the sun to charge these batteries to now do a endurance race. Or it's like we, the first time you used Wi-Fi, where you're like, whoa, like, whoa, I'm not attached to anything. Yeah. Exactly. You're like, that sun actually does more it than just powers yeah. this thing. And so that we had endurance race, we had an, uh, a sprint where we ripped the batteries out, and it was just like full on just go. Hmm. I think we ripped the batteries out. I can't even remember anymore. Um, but they're like car batteries kind of linked. Yeah. Yeah. Car, car batteries. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually I think there were boat batteries. I can't, I can't but remember. But just kind of like, like just spliced together, spliced together and, yeah. batteries and then just hooked it straight up to the, um, to the panels. Um, and then spent most of my career in e-commerce, uh, Stash Hotel Rewards, Expedia. And then I took a two-year detour into construction. So Blockable was working on steel modular housing, multi-story, multi-family housing. And the technology team was really focused on building management technology. And that mm-hmm. was my first foray into IoT. And so this was 2017. And so the IoT landscape was still... What's IoT? Internet of Things. Oh, okay. Yep. So it was like everyone had their own protocols. There was Z-Wave, Zigbee, you know, Bluetooth, LTE. Everyone just, you you would, you know, open the news every morning and mm-hmm. there'd be a new wireless protocol. I'm like, oh, geez. Yeah, I remember that from Vivint Inc. Like it was, it, we did Z-Wave, but then there was, st- and then we had to use Wi-Fi and then it was starting to connect to the phones. And so we were kind of waiting to see which, which like technology was going to be the one. The like one, one exactly. I was like, it's like the VHS versus Betamax. Yeah situation and we were really early days into that investigation of whole building technology so leak detection carbon monoxide detection and you know access control systems and things smart building Mm -hmm. that's right 
Um, and so I had spent two years there as head of digital product and technology and then went back to Expedia. Um, but, you know, this, this experience I've had in e-commerce and marketplaces and smart building technology and then solar way back in yesteryear, mm-hmm. it almost felt uh, serendipitous yeah. when this role came about because I was really wanting to wake up with a fire in my belly about working on something important mm-hmm. and climate changes it. And then... you always been like concerned with climate change and followed it and stuff like that? I follow it and I'm fortunate enough to know so many just brilliant people who are actively working on it, protesting uh, every day and, you know, getting arrested (laughs) for protests and stuff. And in Seattle, especially, people Mm -hmm. are very, very um, passionate about the space. And so, um, but I'm, I was more taking an approach of how can I enact change at scale? Yeah. And I can do that through my profession. And what was important to me is to be able to find a role that was a company that had a big enough footprint in the industry to be able to make a difference, had the right policy team, and then um, I had the right team and budget to be able to make my vision come true from a technology perspective. And when this role came along, at first I didn't get it. The website was so not clear about Mm. what Sunrun was about. But when I first met Mary and Paul and Jenna and heard directly from them their vision of what Sunrun is going to be in the next five, 10 years, I was like, I hope I get this job, yeah. like fingers crossed. Yeah. And it was, it's just been an amazing three months though. I've been learning I always call it. I always call it a cosmic intersection, right? It's like yeah. how crazy and like how lucky like we are and you are, but like, okay, so you've had this life of like, diverse interests and you want to be like purpose-based, but we'll talk about it, but you've learned leadership, you've learned technology, you've learned digital products, and you've learned how to simplify and streamline things for mass adoption. Okay. So that's like what you're working on. And then all of a sudden we have been working on, Hey, this product is really cool. It's really interesting. We've converted, like, I, I didn't, I was actually kind of the opposite of a climate change person before. I just didn't the really l- care. Littering and, everywhere. Yeah. Just literally just <laughs> blowing gas out my truck. No, but literally like, motorcycles and trucks and just everything. And, and I really kind of broadened my horizons as I've come into this job, because when we came into this, they're like, Hey, we have this product. It's really interesting, but it's complex and we're selling it, but we need to do it better. There's no training manuals and stuff when I came in. Right. And so in the same way, I was like, wow, I'm uniquely qualified to maybe contribute and help. But I look at your story where it's like, you actually probably couldn't hand select a better background for the exact phase that the business is in right now and, and the energy you have for the, it just kind of like melded. Like I remember when we first met and, and people were talking about, Oh, we have this new technology person. She's great. We've heard that before, frankly. So you gotta <laughs> like, so, so I don't feel flattered. Yeah, and we've had different, we've had different people that are the right people for the right time of the business. Right? That's right. But this next time is really important because when you go to mass adoption, like it's just really important. And now we understand our problems well enough from just wrestling with them for 15 years. And so, but then we met you, I was like, wow, she's kind of just like us already. Like your energy and like your, your, your ability to lead and you come in, but you actually know your stuff. I think you kind of won everybody over. Oh, thank you. Now it's only been three months, so don't screw it up. Yeah, exactly. Right. Honeymoon period's over. Get to it, lady. Now now you need to start delivering now. But it's cool. Like I, 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 again, it's kind of a cosmic intersection where you're like, did you ever watch Seinfeld back in the day? Ish. Ish. I mean, I know Have you seen the marine biology episode? Not that I recall. Okay. That's your homework. Okay. Yeah. You got to do 25 minutes of Seinfeld with your husband, but it's like this thing where George Costanza is like trying to impress this girl and he tells her he's a marine biologist and it's a total lie. 
And then the other thing is Kramer's been hitting golf balls into the ocean and just having fun. <laughs> and so he's out walking with this girl that he's been trying to impress. And there's a beached whale that washes up. And Full right of as golf George balls? Is, yes. Right as George is walking by, this man is like, is anybody here a marine biologist? <laughs> and of course, like he reaches into the blowhole, pulls out the ball. And it's like, it's like one of the best episodes ever. But it's really like we're kind of looking around being like, is there anybody here who loves this cause that knows how to streamline technology and lead people? And then you're like, uh... That's actually what I was born to do. And that's like kind of when you came to the company. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. It was it was serendipitous timing as well. It was a good time for me to be looking for something new. And just Mary's energy in particular was so infectious. Um, and just her vision for everything. And I thought it was really interesting because, um, again, when I was first presented the role, I was like, I don't... I think they just install solar panels. I don't think they need a Why CTO. Why didn't you get it? Because I think that's actually something we need to continue to figure out. For oh, like exactly. Our mass adoption. Like it, if you look at it and you're really smart and you don't get it. It, it was, it was you know? so the only uh, public facing element was the website. Yeah. And so the website at the time was very much focused on um, solar and a little bit of solar plus storage. Mm -hmm. But the story of Ford and our partnership and our innovative partnership with Ford was yeah. not on there and it was just very much call us call us mm. and so this is something that the team and I are starting to work on which is really exciting so we shipped a new version of the the homepage and a couple of landing pages just last week yeah. and to, so we can start telling our story and what we are turning into the sun run of 2022 and beyond mm -hmm. um, and so more stuff is coming and so just keep an eye on the webpage and you'll get really excited with what you see. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I haven't had that experience, right? Like I, I've, I haven't been, I kind of watched this world start to get developed and then jumped in when the time was right for me. But I'm really interested in this idea of somebody that's looking for the opportunity that almost missed it. Yeah. Because we didn't tell that story, right? Like that's it. Yeah. That's a big that's deal. A, that's a big deal. And so um, I'm super excited at some of the new leadership we have. So Taylor West is our head of marketing and we have a great partnership already. And we're really talking about how do we make changes quickly and how can we be decisive and execute? Um, and what's nice is that there's a huge appetite across the whole leadership team to really, you know, grab the bull by the horns at this point and say, Hey, this is, this is, we're the market leader. We're the number one provider of residential solar in the United by far, States. By the by way. Far. By far. So this is our game to lose. And so we need to we need to get on it and just continue to innovate so that we can be five steps ahead. Mm -hmm. And so there's some exciting opportunities and the fact that, you know, with Paul and Mary and, and all the other leaders saying, yeah, let's go um, make decisions, make change happen. I mean, that's an exciting time to be part of a company because nothing's worse than joining and saying, hey, I think there are these problems and then having bureaucracy and red tape and, oh, we don't want change this yeah. quickly. And everyone's like, go, 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 mm -hmm. which has been really exciting to so be a part you, of. How do you manage that? Because, you know, the primary audience here is is generally people that are are remote, right? People that are in our branches all across the country that are going out and either servicing customers or finding new customers. Okay. So a lot of times that's what their fear is. And frankly, mine as well is, okay, we're going to get so big that you can't get crap done or no one really cares anymore. My voice isn't heard. But a lot of what you're talking about is, okay, how can you be big and significant, but still nimble and efficient and remove bureaucracy. That's right. So how do you view your role in that when you're, when you're creating and overseeing the development of our technology, like 
What's your philosophy on it? And essentially what's coming to those that may be worried about their ability to be impactful in a really big company? I think that there are two words that really encompass what we're trying to do in the technology organization. And the first one is focus. So the danger of go, go, go is chaos. And so you end up spinning your wheels and just fits and starts of programs and projects, and it just causes chaos for the operations team or the sales force. And we really want to make sure that we're focused in our um, execution, our acceleration, so that way we're not causing chaos around the organization. So um, the focus is the first part, and then accountability. So then once we focus and once we say this is what we're going to do, we should do what we're say we're going to do and deliver products that are high quality, um, you know, uh, something that we can build the future on and something that is easy to understand. Just like you were talking about, no one had to teach me how to use Expedia. I just knew how to do it. Um, That's exactly how our products should be as well, whether that is um, sales tools or e-commerce sites for our uh, potential customers to directly inform themselves and to be able to uh, do some early shopping. It's like they should get through a lot of the shopping process on their own Mm -hmm. um, because we are entering mass adoption. We can't scale unless we start putting some of the sales process directly into the hands of the homeowners. and so, so those are the two things that we're really bringing to the technology organization is that focus uh, and then the accountability piece. And so uh, we have a new leader of our technical product management organization, BK, and he's been doing such a fantastic yeah, I'm job. I'm a BK fan. I'm a, I'm a huge BK yeah, fan. He streamlined our PPA and gave us that whole new look and got legalese out of the contract. Like that, that was a big lift. Yeah. Yeah. Know? So he's bringing his brilliance into helping us streamline, simplify, and then it's about delivery and accountability now. And so that's really, um, what we're trying to do with the technology leaders that we're bringing on and we're doing, and you're talking about leadership training, you know, part of, uh, the training that I'm giving the leaders, I have a book club. Um, that I'm starting next month, and it's for Monday Morning Leadership, mm. which is a book by Dave Cottrell. I think Dave Cottrell. Hold on, I have to double check that. I haven't heard of that book. Monday Morning Leadership? Yeah, David Cottrell. And it's a really short book, and I first found out about that book from Aman Bhutani, who's now the CEO of GoDaddy, hmm. um, when I worked with him at Expedia Group. And so it's just really setting expectations for our leaders about what good leadership looks like yeah. with a focus on accountability and delivery and not only in terms of our software products, but also um, in team building. What does it look like to have an accountable team and a high delivery, high quality, high delivery team? When you look at like that first piece, the focus piece, I bet you know that's about saying prioritizing and saying no to things as much as it is saying yes to things. So what are the what are the top things that I don't know how much of it you can talk about, but what are the top things that we're focusing on right now? Like what what are the main projects, like the big three that we're working on delivering? Yeah. Um, and what you said earlier is absolutely right. It's like it's what you say no to. Yeah. And that is the heart of strategy. And I think there is actually um, an HBR article uh, by Michael Porter, um, and it's called uh, ah, something about strategy, but it's pretty much it's like strategy is what you say no to, yeah. to allow you to focus and to, to simplify and bring complexity out of your organizations. And it's, it's a really great, great read. And I think it's part of, uh, if you just go to hbr.org, you can pick it up. Um, 
So what we're really focused on in the technology organization on the innovation side of the house is really uh, three main things. So we have e-commerce. And so really um, bringing our web and mobile technology into you know this decade mm -hmm. and so that we can unleash that mass adoption of solar and really get the consumers to um, not only educate themselves and to understand what residential solar could mean for them, but also to build this really robust brand. And again, this is a partnership with the marketing organization so that we're like, oh yeah, of course, of course, Sunrun, of course, whole home electrification through uh, this partnership with this company that loves their customers. Uh, we talk about customer obsession and we want that to show in our e-commerce um, uh, surface area. Yeah, and to people that like, you know, we, we've learned this at Sunrun, like when we were Vivint Solar, we had one channel, we were direct to home. And then we had some inside sales, but pretty much all sales. Yep. So I, I can imagine that some people when they hear e-commerce, it's, it's, you have the tendency to think, oh, well, maybe they're going to gobble up business that I would have gotten. But that's not it. Because I can tell you that when I'm in neighborhoods, people say, what about the solar roof? And I'm like, does it even exist? But the, the <laughs> I mean, seriously, where is it? But the, um, it's good, like it takes six to 10 impressions before a customer buys. So the people that we're missing and the people that, that we may scoop up in the field or scoop up in our stores or, or that end up going all the way through the process in e-commerce, it's never bad to tell the right message. So if, if right now customers will meet with our reps sometimes, like say a door gets cold knocked, then the customer will go research, but how do they research? They go to Google and they type in solar, Right. which my gosh, that's like, it's, it's, it's so much garbage you have to wade, wade through, through of like, right. you can't even find authentic sites. It's a bunch of like, it's, it's, it's almost like you put your email address in a gym membership drawing and then you just started getting junk in your email. And you're like, this is not helping me learn about fitness. That's literally what it's like. Exactly. And so I hope people understand that when you say that you're focused on e-commerce, people simply telling our story and educating people on solar is the right thing to do because if we don't do it, first of all, someone else will, right? Absolutely. And and we should be collecting it, but if we're telling the story, then maybe they they see that rep in Costco or they 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 meet that rep on the door and like, oh, I was looking into this. Is it? Can you guys retrofit batteries? And we're like, wow, it's a great question. Because if they don't ask it, they'll ask it to the internet when you're not there. And then you can't control it. And then you can't control the yeah. message. That's right. And so it gives us the brand presence as well so that when uh, the customer sees us in Costco, they're like, oh, I've seen that before. Mm -hmm. Oh, when I Googled solar, this was the first site to appear and it yeah. was helpful and it had a great brand. It was clean. I understood it. And there's that trust because that's yeah. what it really comes down to. And that's what's going to cause a customer to transact is that trust and brand recognition. And there's going to be, again, we're about to enter this explosion of of a consumer-driven uh, pivot to clean energy. And there's going to be so much work for all of us that there's going to be customers who educate online and then they still want the handholding because it is a custom project. Yeah. And it's scary. And you're yeah. literally bolting stuff to my roof. And I want to be able to have someone help me through that process. Yeah, I could, I could order all I need to remodel my kitchen online too, but I am not the type of person that is going to do that. I need a contractor. Now, there are people for there that. There are people who are going to do great. that. And that's and good that's for them, right? Solar, right? Exactly. Like some, when we know them. Like these are the engineers that make their own spreadsheets. And then when we come back to visit them, they've done these in-depth analyses. And we're like... Well, Where so, did you get that data, yeah, right? We need, to, we need to have an answer for people like that. But exactly. for most people that are somewhere in the middle on those... 
controlling the narrative of, hey, here's the mission, here's the potential, here's the possibility, can, it can only help. That, right? that, that's it. And whenever you look at the e-commerce channel as well, it might actually help us break into markets that don't make sense for us today. Yeah, like Midwestern markets and things like that, right? That's it. That's yeah. it. And so we're really excited to see where this where this goes. And so that's that's so bucket that's number, number one. one. Yeah. Um, the customer-facing app is something that we are innovating on right now. And I'm super excited about the customer experience that will come out of that. It should be way more helpful and way more informative um, so that people can understand their energy, not only generation, but then consumption as well. And so that way you can make better choices about how you live your life and where you want to direct your energy um, usage at the end of the day. And so you can make choices based on it. You can see some cool stuff. We want it to be such a slick app that you actually pull it out at a dinner party. Be like, check out what my app does. Look look at what my Sunrun app does. I'm passionate about that because I believe that choices now, like you have a choice for everything, right? Like you have a choice for how you want to eat, right? Like if you want to eat a certain way, you, you can, you can do that where maybe 50 years ago, that wasn't as much of a thing. You just kind of ate what was available or whatever. But, uh, you know, if you're like a workout person, you have a choice as to what your macronutrient spread yeah, is. Like, yeah. What app do you like? What clothes do you like? How do you like to work out? Are you high intensity? Are you endurance? Are you weightlifting? Are you, and even within all that, there's just a million choices, but people don't yet understand this choice of how you fuel your entire existence right and so i think the company and we have a big opportunity there through this customer app to say let me empower you with some like information that's actually running your life because the thing about solar is it's just cool like i remember the first install that i did and i'd sold a million things in a million different places door to door like what's that at the gap at the gap no that's my fault that's my fallback plan that's your fallback be the best gap manager in history (laughs) trust me my store is gonna pop Mm. um but the uh I remember going to that house and I was like, wow, this, we were doing a 20 year contract. And I was like, that's going to be on there. It's going to fuel their home for 20 years. And I did that. And that's cool. And then as I kept working and like building out the neighborhood, I was like, wow, we're making a community. And it's, it's just cool. But the customer doesn't really know what's happening up there. Like, oh yeah, it's there. I trust that it works. But imagine if you can give them the information. Like when you go for a run and you check the Nike run app and you're like, oh, cool. Like I sustained a higher heart rate than before or Oh, I'm getting uh, a little my bit heart faster, rate recovered or, faster yeah, than like last, it's just cool to know time. exactly and I think with the customer facing app we have the opportunity to link people's heart to their to their product a little bit and this is this is utility stuff nobody's doing that but they will because the same thing maybe could have been said for a phone or computer you know 25 years ago that it's like I mean I remember I had a Dell I had a Toshiba but now I will only buy Apple forever you know oh yeah. I mean? Once you're in the ecosystem. Yeah. And I stuck. feel a certain way. I'm grateful to my computer that lets me run a business that like, you know, like every now and then, like with my iPad, I'm like, if I didn't have this, like it allows me to do so much more. I have like, like connected feelings towards my technology and we can do that. And we can do energy. that with people's safety, mm-hmm. right? So as we're thinking about the brownouts, blackouts that are happening um, in many of the states now, we can provide peace of mind. Yeah. And you can put those controls in place through an app with you know battery backup, whole home backup, with the right um, main panel controls. Mm-hmm. And so then you can be able to make choices about how you live your life 
and not worry as much about, oh gosh, what's going to happen when the grid goes down for me again. And so I think that um, having those controls in an app in a way that gives people that peace of mind is going to be very important um, in the future. And and even now, right? The future is now. And I think that the app is so important for our customers to, in order for us to achieve our goal of customer obsession, they need to be able to understand not only what they're getting in terms of generation, oh, I got a thing, but also now I can control that thing. Now I can change and make decisions about my life because of it. Yeah. And that's going to be so cool. It's cool. It's empowering. It's yeah. Cool. Cause like, if you think about it, if you say to yourself, like I was with my wife's family last night and they were talking about uh, Trader Joe's, do you go to Trader Joe's? I don't go to Trader Joe's that much. There's one up the hill for me in Seattle, but uh-huh. you have to go up the hill. And then There's it's not like many of them. But the, the, in the group we were talking about, everyone's a Trader Joe's fan. And I was like, how interesting that, like this is a group of people that aligns themselves with like, you know, the, their choice of eating. Like they, they, they're conscious about the way they do this. Mm-hmm. Well, what opportunity do we have to like create these communities of people that are like, oh yeah, I only do tankless water. I do electric appliances, Sunrun powers it pump, all. Yep. I can see everything. I plug my car straight in. This is how I'm choosing to live my life. It's incredibly powerful, and I think it's I think it's really vital to mass adoption. Is that there's an emotional tie-in, not not a fabricated one or one that's like not founded, but really, if you think about it, like when my when my son isn't where I expect him to be, and I can go on find my iPhone and see exactly where he is. I'm actually grateful, or I feel right. safe. It's to that use safe, your language. right? Like, yeah. I'm like, wow, thank goodness I had this technology. Like, wow, this really helped me today. Yeah. Could you imagine when our parents and oh, in the gosh. '80s were just like, I'm just gonna wander off on my bike. Bye. So you you're <laughs> from Seattle. So when I was a kid, I grew up in Federal Way, and when I learned the bus system. We used to go skate down in Bellevue, which I didn't know how to get to. I mean, when I was like 12, so we would catch the bus in Federal Way, take it to the SeaTac Airport, and then just link up on a bus to go to Bellevue. I didn't know geographically where it was at all. My parents had no idea where I was. Like if I was hurt, I was 60 miles from home and four hours depending on traffic. You know what I mean? So I I grew up in Lubbock, Texas. And so we didn't really have a robust uh, bus system there, but we would just wander around on our bikes all day long, just wherever wherever. you just go wherever. Well, now to think about it, like, or I think about like before we knew about, um, like the dangers of smoking, right? Like before, like when back in like what the fifties when everybody just seems like they smoke, moms would smoke making dinner and everything. Uh, and now you're like, well, you're just going to like put that in your body. I think we'll think about technology and energy the same way where it's like, Oh, you're just going to light that on fire. Yeah. Like, you have a whoa, pilot whoa, whoa, light that's yeah, just kind like, of burning natural gas nonstop all, t- all, all the times. time. Yeah. And, and it'll be as crazy then as like, oh, you just started smoking at 14. All the crazy? studies around the uh, natural gas appliances in home and the air quality impacts of that and the impacts to asthma and, hmm. and human health has been crazy. So there've been several studies that have come out in the last couple of years that have given me pause. And it's not even as powerful, say, in, on the cooktop. I can get better precision with an induction cooktop that's electric hmm. than I can with a gas stove. And so really there's not any reason anymore. And yeah. so I still have a gas stove at home, I'll admit to that. It's a little hard to retrofit in a, in a condo building, hmm. but um, that is something where you know we bought a little countertop uh, induction cooktop and we've been using that hmm. uh, a little more often as well. But even that choice, it's a conscious choice, It's right? a conscious choice, right? I think when people right? like link with that, then they feel empowered and then 
if Sunrun is the brand that links them to that information and that those options, that's where, you know, and, and, and the people here that, that come here and perform, like especially our salespeople, they have the, an ability to earn in addition to commissions ownership in the company, equity, stock, right? Yeah. And it's like, I'm telling you, you want to own that. It was good for people that worked at Apple in 2005 to have a little bit of Apple stock yeah. in 2007 when the iPhone hit. And then when you look at like the value of the company, cause then there was app store and then there was iTunes and then there was the whole podcast industry and all of these books and all these things that are attached to it. Yeah. That all, whole ecosystem it all builds in a nonlinear way. And yeah. I think that, uh, one of the visions that I have is it's not just about, the whole home electrification and battery just within a home as you have a community of uh, batteries and you have a connected community of solar plus storage. What is the power of that? Mm -hmm. What is the power of a decentralized smart grid? Mm -hmm. And what can we do as a corporation to enable that? to happen. Yeah. But first, first and foremost is around the uh, consumer led revolution, because we need that footprint of battery plus storage, mm -hmm. or sorry, solar plus battery. Um, because there's so much that we can unlock for full communities. And it's, it's I'm so excited and jazzed about the uh, not only the you know, it's, it's an app, it's an e commerce website, but what could be and what we could enable communities to be able to do in five to 10 years. And yeah, look at like transportation, right? Where like, okay, so you have this old dog, like this cab system, right? Like you can get a cab. And then I look at like Uber now, where I don't know if like the taxi industry, I remember when Uber first came out and like they're kind of like, traditional transportation's response was, oh, you want to get in a car with a stranger? And it's weird, like that was a weird thing. But think about Airbnb, like, you go sleep in strangers' houses and you feel totally safe and it's an amazing experience and it's fine. Uh, when you look at like, I think what happened with Uber is they built a whole infrastructure that's a solid alternative to the old traditional, formerly felt like, found, uh, like, like legit, safe, credible system while they, while they right under their nose. And I feel like that's happening with the batteries. Like, if, hey, that's if we it. can link all these batteries together, one day the utility company will wake up and be like, holy crap, they built an alternative grid right under our nose. And the power in that, like, you know, we're in this fight with California right now on NEM 3.0. Well, what does it look like when we're like, that's fine, we don't need you anymore? I mean, what is the value of your company then? Right, right. You know right. what I mean? Well, like when the tax credits are like, yeah, it's fine, we really don't need you anymore. And I, I think that it's going to be... Um, in Mary's words, a radical collaboration, mm -hmm. because I don't think it's going to be a, we don't need you anymore. Your yesterday's yeah. grid, we're off to the races. It's going to be something that's going to be a combination of both. And that's where it's really exciting to be able to say, okay, we can do decentralized smart grids. Y'all are the, uh, centralized, like, uh, big grid, I don't mm -hmm. know what you want to call it, but, and then how can we pair together in order to make a hundred percent reliable, um, energy system yeah. for our residents and yeah. for our humans that live in our neighborhoods. And so I think there's going to be a, a really strong there there, and there's going to be, um, some awesome collaborations that we're going to have with, you know, real utility providers. And I'm so excited to get to work with them mm -hmm. to be able to provide resilient, uh, energy for Americans. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an important point. And you have to be, 
it's cool because for a while we would fight utility companies. Like we were like this kind of throwing rocks at the tank a little bit. <laughs> David but versus Goliath. A right? little bit. Yeah. But now it's like, okay, we're big enough that, and then events have transpired enough that you really can't ignore this as a, as probably a more viable solution. And so it's like, not only have we amassed 700,000 customers and not only is renewable becoming a more significant part of like the makeup of power, but financially we're a lot more stable now and and the technology is advancing and the people want it yeah and then the state like the planet's getting hotter it starts on fire all it is the time on fire like right when it's windy in california they shut the power off like right it's it, and then and then you've got these conflicts where hey we can we can shut off resources and we're like oh we're not we're learning i think that the safe grid it's not as safe as we once thought. And I Correct. think that also helps open the door. The work we're doing, plus just the, the transpiring of events, it's kind of another one of those cosmic intersections where it's like, well, thank goodness we're here with with a solution. And a solution right. and that's actually cheaper and better, you know? And better for the planet. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's great. So what's the third focus? So the so third focus area is customer app. Customer app. And then um, awesome sales tools. There it is. And so that's what we were looking for. I know. <laughs> I did. I saved the best for last. <laughs> there you did. Um, we really want it to be dead simple for our salespeople to be able to have a great experience with the customer because nothing is more awkward than, ooh, the tool's not working. I'm going to sit here and stare at you for Can like 30 minutes. About, yeah, the, the, it's like, so <laughs> what vacation plans do you have? Right. So we want it to be a seamless experience. We want it to be fast. We want it to make sense, especially as it comes to the full end to end process, not only the actual design of things, but the um, contract pieces and then handing the customer off to an operational process so that the customer feels like it's a cohesive experience mm -hmm. end to end. So sales operations. So anything from, upper funnel, uh, early sales process, all the way to activation is something that we are really looking at from a tools perspective of how do we make this the best experience for a customer? Because as awkward as it is for the salespeople, customers hate it, right? Oh, They're yeah. just like, what are, what are you doing like, over there? You don't there? have your stuff together. You don't have your stuff yeah. together. You got to reboot your machine again. What is this? And so we want it to be an awesome sales tool. So internal tools to empower our Sunrunners and the Sunrun partners who use our, our technologies to be able to just like seamlessly get things done. I love that. And I think um, the cool thing is when you think of the word tool, like we were talking about Formula One and, and I find ways to talk about Formula One a yeah. lot. But <laughs> it's, it's like if you look at like a pit crew that has insufficient tools, what happens? They can't compete. They're not as fast. They're not as they're not as serious, right? Mm -hmm. But if you say, hey, this hammer drill, drill will take that tire off in a fraction of the time. Yeah. And you get it in their <laughs> right? hands. It's like, oh, man, we're, we're faster now. We're competitive. And so what I look at that tool as, and I've seen some of the you know the early prototypes and the lists of things, and you guys are relentlessly hacking through it to make sure it's right. But the cool thing is it's a tool for reps to present to customers. It's a tool for leaders to lead their teams and know how to better help their reps. It's a tool for an individual to look at and measure their own performance. performance right. It's a tool for training. It is that tool that will help them do their job better. And the thing that I think is really interesting, I want to talk about leadership for a while with you where um, your strategy on building these tools is, is awesome to me. And it's really interesting that it helps like I, I view you as a really good leader. Like it just in our Thank like, you. yeah, well you've earned that. Like in our few interactions, you know, your stuff, not just from a technology, uh, technology standpoint, but from a 
people standpoint and like what works. And one of your first moves that I saw was, okay, you're hearing, here's our new CTO. And we're like, Hey, we need an app. We need this. We need this. We need this. We need this. And you're able to quickly say, okay, you know what? On this one, we're going to bring someone in, right? We're going to bring in a group that I know that I've worked with before and they're going to build it, which probably could be scary maybe from someone in your position where it's like, uh, I don't know. I, I, what would a bad leader think? Oh, maybe this is going to make me look bad or I should have all the answers to everything or, but I think you looked at it and said, I want to win. So talk me through the decision to use the company that we're using to help us build some of these tools and your take on what it takes to actually get these tools into people's hands. Yeah. Um, again, the, the way I really think about my leadership is around team building understanding the humans that are involved because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if that human reports to my cost center in work day mm -hmm. or how they are integrated into the company or, or whatnot. It's like, we're just a bunch of humans who want to do a goal. And so with that focus, with the, uh, with being very specific about what it is we're trying to accomplish and then holding people accountable for that accomplishment of that thing, clear KPIs related to it, I think magic can happen. Yeah. And so um, I really view myself as a builder of teams and really trying to get the right brains and the right humans in the room to accomplish amazing things. And so that's kind of the foundation of how I think. And it's less about me as a linchpin or or the the genius in the room because frankly speaking there are way smarter people in this world than me mm -hmm. and it's my job to get them into the into the room for the right problem mm -hmm. and so um but realistically speaking you know that some of the people that are reporting to your cost center in workday are, are more likely to think about what is it going to be like to live with this product and to have to care, have the care and feeding of it going forward. And so there are some people aspects for how do you think about, um, giving say really exciting projects to an external agency and then care and feeding comes internally. And so there's ways to approach it. And so for the example that you were talking about is that we have an awesome partnership with an agency called AKQA and they, I just learned what that stood for. I don't know what it stands for. Um, I've assumed it was people's last names. It's uh, just for, no, it's not. It's like all known questions answered or something like that is what it stands for. That's oh. what I heard. Okay. Well, that's cool. We should, we should fact check that, but that makes it cool, right? That makes it super cool. And I don't know if that's right because that's a weird phrase, but it's something like that. Right. Yeah. And, and so one of the things that I was really, um, keen to ensure was that whatever we innovated on together was that it was a collaboration because I've seen things go really sideways where an external company goes off into a silo, builds something and then sort of hucks it over the fence to the, you know, existing team to, to operate. And that just doesn't work well because, mm -hmm. um, the external team never quite understands the nuances of what's going on within the company. Um, they'll do something where they drag it over the finish line. It looks great, uh, for a day and then it blows up the next day and you're like, Oh, this wasn't actually built right. And so there's a lot of, um, risks associated with that approach. And so we have this comp combined approach where we have brought together Sunrun product and technology teams with AKQA leadership and product and technology teams. And they're experts in UX and design. And so a lot of the um, innovation they've done for Nike and for um, 
Delta Airlines is just really, really impressive. And so to be able to go out and find that skill set, hire it, ramp it up, blah, 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 it was going to just take too long. So this is a way that we can bootstrap our team. But then it was really important to me that we're working together on it. And so we do have uh, internal team members together with external team members working together to make sure we're building the right product going forward. And so it was important to me as we were thinking, and some people call it staff augmentation, and it's mm. not quite staff aug in the, in the same way in that what they have their thought leaders and their own leadership team um, leading some aspects of things but you know it's it's a collaboration and we have decision making rights at the end of the day uh, about what technologies are being chosen we choose them together and then we are um, developing all of these great new technologies together it's been really exciting and uh, yeah I'm looking forward to seeing what what we're starting to produce I think, I think when we get it, it'll seem so obvious, right? Like the Delta app, like when I get on Delta, same thing. I'm like, it's easy. It's easy. And I, I use a lot of other apps and I wouldn't necessarily, it's, you know, Steve Jobs always talked about technology as like an extension of you, right? Like, and so when I get on Delta, I just kind of jam through it. I don't realize it's so good until I use somebody else's and I'm like, why can't I ever freaking log on to this app or why does my flight how does it not know that I have a flight today? Why isn't it refreshing? I don't know the confirmation number. I don't know where it is. Like, exactly. But I don't ever have to do that on Delta. Right. right? And, and, so, and that is part of AK's QA strategy is just around how do we make this so human-centric that it feels like an extension yeah. of yourself. And it's like yeah. I just flew in from San Francisco last night, and the Delta app was like, hey, here's, here's your um, here's your boarding pass and just making it a seamless transaction to be able to get through the airport and into the plane mm -hmm. is where they really focused. And yeah. so, you know, we've spent a ton of time mapping out our customer journey and then underlying that all of the swim lanes around um, the sales team process for all the different sales channels, the operational channels and all that, just to make sure that we're thinking cohesively about how to simplify our processes so that we can build tools for salespeople and for customers that are just going to feel like, duh, why doesn't yeah. everything work this way? Yeah. And I, I, you, you may, this may be inaccurate from a tech side, but I kind of look at it like the approach we're taking that I'm glad we're taking is one where you and your team and AKQR are doing so much work. Like a, a, a lot of times us in sales will be like, just, it's not that hard. Just make the thing like it's just easy just cut and paste it yeah just cut just this is what this competitor is using just make me that but you don't realize like oh there's so much complexity in it but i like that you know when i look at apple like my ipad doesn't have any buttons and no instruction manual and it and i can just use it and it does what it's supposed to do but you know when you look at like a toshiba or something i'm like i don't know how to work it because so <laughs> they make it hard for me and Apple made it hard on their developers. I appreciate that because I'm not a developer. I'm a user, right? That's right. And so I think that from the work that I've done, even, but even like on the Nike app, like customizing a shoe is complex. It can come from anywhere in the world. I'm using a different piece on the front. I need it in this size. I need it in this time. It's never wrong. You're embroidering something specific for me. Like it's complex stuff. Your shoes are fancy. Embroidered. <laughs> some of them are. Wow. Yeah, some of them are. But it's so easy. I would never, how would you have gotten that done? 15 years ago, you know, you couldn't. And so, um, I like that. And I also like appreciate the approach where, you know, one of the things that chance Allred always says is best idea wins. It's like, I don't care who has it. I don't care if it's somebody that was just walking by saying, why don't you do it this way? Like the best idea wins. Right. And I think 
it seems to be that's been a lot of your approach where it's like, hey, if these guys can help us win, we're going to use it. Whether it came from my brain, their brain, whatever, trying to win the game. You that's, know what I mean? That's right. Win the game in a way that is sustainable into the future. And so this is something that was really important to me as I've been collaborating with Paul um, and Taylor about things is like, yeah, at the end of the day, some of these innovators who are helping bootstrap us now won't be here. And so we need to make sure that the decisions we make are ones that everyone's hearts and minds are bought into. And so that way, when we have to own it and then innovate on it going forward, we have the right go forward team yeah. to do that with. And so it, it's a it's an interesting um, people and technology problem to interweave. And I think that uh, everyone who is at you know, on the technology team today is like, okay, I see what's, I kind of see what's happening. I, yeah. And I, we need to get through a few sprints and get into a cadence of working yeah. together. Um, but I think everyone's going to be so pleased with the outcome. And then once you get that virtuous cycle started and people start seeing the wins, start seeing the customers love the app, seeing the sales team love the new uh, one platform that's coming, it, all the concerns about, am I safe? Because that's really what it comes down yeah. to. Like when you yeah. bring in external people, um, you know, the, the existing team start feeling like, wait, what, why are you augmenting? Am I safe? Yeah. And so it's all about psychological safety. And then how am I going to look if someone else does the project that, you know, maybe like a lesser leader would think that I couldn't do when really it's not, you couldn't do it. It just wasn't the most, it wasn't the best way to score the point, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Better way to do it. There's better ways to do it. And so this is, you know, I, I like a few um, leadership thought leaders that are out there. So Simon Sinek, yeah, he's like, he's you know, great. he's great and start with why, but also, you know, leaders make a safe space. Yeah. And so we need to make it safe to be able to say, you know, this isn't quite the right shape of team for what we need right now, but just sit tight. Um, you're going to work on it, but we're going to bring in some experts who have done this before to help us through this storming uh, forming phase. And so that way we're ready as a team to catch it in the sort of more norming phase, right? As it stabilizes yeah. and we're doing um, test and learns and continuous innovation on an existing platform. It's just a different skill set. And so that's kind of the uh, good to great, get the right team on the bus, right? butts in the right seats type mm -hmm. of concept and that can change and it, and you know you need your base team and you need your people who love sunrun and who love to be part of the sunrun tech team um, but then sometimes you need to bring in some skilled uh, skilled heavy hitters and, and that's okay too yeah and i think i think it's a, a really a leadership thing like what i'm hearing i i don't think there's a more virtuous pursuit than leadership i think everybody that's listening no matter what position they're in they should aspire to lead in some way Now, to some people that might be like, okay, they're on your team and I need to lead myself to produce. I need to just be on it and be really like increase my self mastery to get this thing done to some people. It might be, I'm a rep in a neighborhood in Florida or in California or in Colorado or whatever. And I'm going to like lead the thought of this neighborhood, like I'm whatever. And it may be someone that runs a big, massive region. But when you aim to improve your leadership, it makes things better for everybody. Yeah. And the way I see it is you're leading through your tech expertise. You have this expertise on team building and, and, and you have a really like astute, savvy, like understanding of technology and how it can help business win. So you use that to drive your leadership, right? And then everybody benefits. But I think one of the reasons that you created a safe space in this situation is a leader takes the extra time. It's a very empathetic job, right? Like it, it takes is. the extra time to say, I'm thinking about how you might be taking this and you might be scared. 
bad leaders would be like, hey, you got a job, get on the bus, come on. But yeah. a good leader would think like, oh, this might be scary to you. Let me take an extra just five minutes and show you down the road just a little bit further what this is going to do. Here's the vision. I'm not replacing you. Here's the vision. We need them so that you can be on this project and you need to know how this works because you're going to be running it and maintaining it at some point. And then they feel good. I mean, it's probably the same mission. It's just the leader took a more empathetic approach and said, Hey, let me tell you why. Yeah. It's the whole start this. with why concept. Yeah. And, yeah. um, as long as people are feeling secure in their, in their station, and most, most people, especially in technology, they're just hungry to learn. And so being able to learn on the job is the best way to do things as well. And so just knowing that there's going to be opportunities to learn and, you know, maybe mistakes will be made and we'll work through those together. I think that's really important to um, make it a place to, it's like, you're going to get feedback, you're going to get coaching mm -hmm. and know that. Um, but also make it a, a safe space to be able to be like, well, I'm going to try this thing out and we'll We'll see if it works. We'll see if it doesn't work. Um, yeah. I think a lot of it is framing and relationship too, though, because coaching is something that can be really scary. But if you think about it, if they're coaching you, it means they care. That's it. Right? Like those conversations are hard for the leader too. It's not just hard for the person receiving the feedback. And, you know, I've thought about this before where I've been on either side of the coaching. I've received some and I've received coaching poorly and, and well in my life. And, and I've given it. And I often find that when I'm giving it, I say, if I didn't care, I wouldn't be saying anything. Like, yeah. it's much harder to tell you this than to not tell you this, right? But I often don't find myself in that state of mind when I'm getting coaching. You know what I mean? It's just, it's kind of a weird thing. But I think that, I think that your ability to do that and then the clear vision of what's coming, it's really exciting. Like, we're, I feel really lucky that you're at Sunrun because it's, it's very like your unique skill set is very needed right now. And I hope that the people that are listening, they're out there saying, when are we going to have, and are we going to be, and, and you know, what about these competitors? And what I'm hearing from you is not only is it going to be awesome, here's how it's going to be awesome. Right. And think five to 10 years from now, not don't think six months from now. Think exactly. Five to 10 years from now when all of these tools start really benefiting your life. Yeah. In, you know? a, in again, in this nonlinear way, as we're thinking about having massive footprints of, of, uh, solar plus storage plus whole, whole home electrification in massive communities. And it's like, what is that going to do for us? And then having these tools that actually work seamlessly as you go through the customer journey, it's going to be amazing. And it's something where as much as I would love to be able to just be like, okay, let's just power everything off and then we'll start from scratch. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. <laughs> you just, Give us a couple months. Yeah. It's like, just we'll don't do back. anything for yeah. five months. We'll be back later. Um, that, like that's, COVID. We kind of did that a little, not Sunrun. We kept going, but the world We kept going. Exactly. Yeah. So we don't have that luxury and we really want to make sure that what we're building is the right thing and is going to delight people when it, when it hits their hands. Yeah. Yeah. It's helpful because a lot of times customers, salespeople, employees feel like if they don't know what's coming, that nothing's coming, right? Like they might feel like since they haven't had a conversation with you directly that, yeah, but is this new app even going to come out? And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm eating, breathing and sleeping this thing. Not only is it going to come out, but it aims to solve all these problems. So there, you're kind of in a delicate spot right now where it's like, we really need it. And we're glad you're here to do it, but it's, it, it also requires that all of the people that work here stay bought into the purpose that, yep. you know what I mean? Like the value is delivered to those that add value when it's hard. 
anybody can lead when it's easy, right? That's anybody, right. anybody can step into a machine that runs well and make sure it doesn't break down in the night, but you're actually like earn the value that you're given to do things when it's pretty rough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, th- and that's the whole concept in great by choice. And I know I'm dropping all these leadership books, but these are no, things that, that, that sort of inform how I think about problem sets. And it's like, we need to be thoughtful and careful about how we make the decisions now, because we are in this storming forming phase, not only in terms of, um, the individual programs of the, you know, customer facing app, the one platform and e-commerce, but also in how we work together. So this is, this is a, a newer set of leaders coming in to say, how do we collaborate? How do we give transparency into where we're at, say with the app? How do we stand up this technical product management organization and uh, be awesomely clear about how we're making decisions and what we're doing? And so it's, it's a transformation, both in terms of the technology as well as the process of how we work. And it's been just, it's only been three months. We're still early days, but there's mm-hmm. already been so much great energy that's gone into this process and across the company, not just within the tech team, but with our um, business stakeholders as well as uh, people all over, you know, operations, sales. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's exciting. It really is like the 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 company is a living, breathing thing. Like when you that's think about right. like your life and like the chapters and phases, you're like, oh yeah, I had the chapter of my life that was the learning and the chapter of my life that was here and here. Like when I look at like the people that are here now, the, the living entity that is Sunrun is going into a new chapter. Yes. Right. And it's going to be a chapter of, you know, contribution and innovation and and getting to the next page. But I think it really helps where it's like, it's not a fixed thing. It's not like, Oh, this is the company. Right. That's like saying you are Sandy, but who you were at 16 versus who you are at now, you evolve, you change, you, you continue. And I think it's really important for people that are on the ship to realize, like we've had people before say, Oh, I miss the way it used to be. Well, yeah, maybe I miss when I didn't have any responsibility when I was 16, but that was a time and I lived that. And you and didn't now, have a mortgage. Yeah. And like just all of these things and it was great, but it keeps moving. It keeps evolving. And sometimes people are like, Oh, well, we're not the very best in this one thing right this second. Well, yeah, like it's, it's alive and evolutionary. And honestly, we should be too. We should be moving and evolving with it because one of the things that I see is those that stand by, if you constantly need vision, then you're a higher liability than those that constantly give vision. Like if you constantly need to be fed, right, it's likely that you won't evolve with the company, you know? Like if the company's getting better, you really should feel like you're getting better too or else your ability to add value is decreased, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, th- I think that everyone is always hungry for vision and for uh, strategy. Sure. And so as as senior leaders of this company, that's one of the things I, I love to do. So right now I'm having a weekly all hands with my team because um, they were really starved to hear strategy and to mm-hmm. hear what the rest of the um, teams were working on, what how we were strategizing against the strategic work plan. Yeah. And so um, I, I am excited for people to be brought along on that strategy but uh i don't i don't think it's a bad thing to be hungry for yeah, that and strategy maybe i misstated that because i i need it too if you're in a position to to gain vision always do that like I, every time i talk to you or to mary or to chance or to paul of course right like you need it and it's really healthy but also maybe look for the opportunities to help spread it to then you know help I mean? spread it that's exactly that's it said. so so it's like how can you get 
not only jazzed about it, but then spread that infection to mm-hmm. the rest of the team members. Like, this is really exciting. This yeah. is an exciting time to, you know, think about the pivot of Sunrun and also to think about that five-year vision of what we could be. Yeah, It's going to be amazing, yeah. and I'm so excited every day about it. How, how would you classify your leadership style? We've talked a lot about leadership, but how would you... How would you classify your specific style? What 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 are specific leadership values that are that are that are important to you? So, uh, getting back to accountability, mm-hmm. so setting expectations well, be having really clear roles and responsibilities as I structure uh, programs or teams, that is like so important to me because I feel like if you structure roles and responsibilities well you hold people accountable and then you hire amazing talent and say okay this is what you're supposed to do run then then magic happens and so really understanding how to hire the right people and to bring teams together in a way that they trust each other so they communicate they're not hiding things it's like oh, i'm not going to tell ty about Mm -hmm. this thing so that way he fails and you know it this is a bigger mission than any one of us. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have time to be dealing with corporate politics or this weird backstabbing type of stuff. And so bringing people together to say, okay, this is the why, this is um, why we're doing what we're doing, why it's important for the world. And then here's your role. And this is clearly what you are accountable for. Um, And then surrounding um, myself and my direct reports with just brilliant people who want to um, work super hard, transparently, um, and in a very accountable way. I mean, that's the magic. And that's then, it. and then the rest of it is details. It's like, okay, so wait, should we use, uh, you know, AWS or GCP, you know, and th- those become details around, okay, well, what, what makes sense for the company yeah. for the medium to long term, et cetera. But then when you have that trust amongst your leadership team, they can hash it out and, you know, Again, the people who are on my team are brilliant humans. They're smarter than I am. They are experts in their space. So my job is to just clear the way for them to be brilliant and to run. I think the cool thing is if the vision's clear, like the why, you know. Um, and Simon Sinek, he, he's he's one of my like top five. Like you know those people that you read and you're like, yeah, yes, like yeah, like. I say the word yes out loud, like when I read his books, I'm like, yes, yes, that's what I've Yes, duh. That's true. (laughs) That is true. Yeah. Right. Um, But the, when you have a clear why, a lot of those decisions either make themselves or they're, they're a lot more obvious, right? Like if you say, Hey, this is what we exist to do. And that's clear. And everybody that you've hired is on board for that. Right. Then when you have one of those maybe smaller decisions where it's like, Hey, do we hire this out or do we do it internally? It's like, well, we're about clear, streamlined solutions. So this one's probably clear and more streamlined. So let's just do that. It's like, thank you. I don't have to nitpick about every, every single thing. Yeah. And so you if so you have your why and then you have your order of operations in terms of, okay, we're going to prioritize fast um, and then quality and then budget. Let's mm-hmm. say if we prioritize it that way, then you can make those trade-off decisions at the within the teams. And so like, this is what I care about. And so if you need more money because I budgeted or I put budget last, then let's talk about how to shift more funds that way. And so mm-hmm. that's the conversation that's had instead of, oh, well, we, we can't spend more money, so we need to figure it out. Yeah. And so this helps uh, helps my team members help me make decisions, and that's how I scale. 
right? It's like if my team members are making decisions on my behalf that I would have made anyway, then I'm winning, right? Because yeah. now I have you know 300 people making decisions instead of me being the bottleneck, making every single decision about how to spend every single dollar. And so I'm, I'm really excited. I hope that people um, like the focus that we've given them. Mm-hmm. So we had what we called the Start, Stop, Continue, Accelerate uh, program that we just sat down with all of the projects we were working on and we stopped a bunch of them and then we so accelerated. Said, what do we stop? What do we start? And what do we speed up? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we shifted funds. We literally invested in our ERP. And so we're taking some of the funds from some of the programs that we stopped um, and then invested in other places. And so just having that focus and being able to tell people, this is why it's important. We have to fix the foundations mm. of our technology stack so that we can build um, the, the new uh, one platform, yeah. the customer-facing app in a quality way. And people are like, oh, okay. So this is how Sandy and her leadership team want me to make decisions. So as they're writing that next line of code, they know that, okay, this is what I should be prioritizing in order to get something out the door, say, yeah. fast. And then they get the affirmation that they're doing a good thing and ultimately they're happier. I, when I was a kid, we did this vacation. So it, rather, instead of doing Christmas one year, we drove to Disneyland. And we drove, it was me and then my uncle and like some of my cousins. And so I remember my, my uncle and my dad. My dad's kind of, he's a lot like me. Like when we're on a trip, we are going. Like just get your snacks in the car. I hope everybody's peed. We're not stopping. <laughs> like, let's go, you know? And then my uncle was like, take a long time at the gas station and hanging out and taking Dilly dallying. Yeah. yeah. And I remember, it's so funny that I was thinking about this, but I remember the argument between the two of them and not like a bad argument, but it was like, my uncle was like, Hey, like I'm on vacation, man. Like I don't want to like hammer down so hard. I want to like enjoy this. And my dad's like, Oh, I'm trying to get to Disneyland so that we can enjoy it. Right. And it was just one of those things where I see that happen on teams a lot where yeah. it's like, oh, I'm trying to create this so that recruiting's easier. Yeah, well, I'm trying to create this so we can get sales. And both are good. Right. But if, if they would have gotten together at the very beginning and said, hey, what are we trying to do on this trip? Well, let's get as much time as we can in Disneyland. Or we only need a day in Disneyland, so let's enjoy the coast. Even that conversation would have eliminated so much frustration. Like, I'm sure one was in the other car being like, this guy... You know it's what like I mean? Go. Yeah, you right? just go, go, go all the time. This other guy's like, oh my gosh, he's so freaking slow, right? But that's where like I feel like it's it's the leader's job to say, hey, what do we want to build here? Do we want to get there fast? Or do we want to get there slow? Do we want to get there fast? Okay, now you have your system and processes. What time do we want to get up and leave? What and it and it flows so much smoother because that that North Star is the same. That's it. Right? That's it. Really interesting. I'm gonna go back and tell my dad and uncle, hey. 40 years ago, you guys should have done this. I know. Otherwise, yeah. you, we would have spent more time in Disney eating yeah. churros. Yeah. Or maybe one car goes ahead and the other one goes, and that's goes fine goes leisurely too. pace, you know right? I mean? Exactly. Um, there was one thought that I had that's kind of funny on Best Idea Wins. So I was listening to this podcast the other day, um, and Brian Cranston, did you watch Breaking Bad? Uh, yes. Okay. Best Heavy. show. Best show ever. 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 Um, so Brian Cranston was talking to Dax Shepard. And he was talking about second Seinfeld reference of the day. I don't watch Seinfeld that often, but um, Brian Cranston did a thing on Seinfeld where he was a dentist and he was like this aloof, kind of funny, kind of like questionable dentist. And he was going to do this scene and uh, 
the dentist was supposed to like kind of instill fear in his patient. Like, do you know what you're doing? And there was a dude on the, on a ladder, like fixing the set and everybody cleared out and Brian Cranston was going over his lines and the guy on the ladder said, Hey, you know, it'd be really funny. You should take a hit of the nitrous before you hand it to your patient. And he's like, it's a genius idea from the guy on the ladder. You right. Know? So the scene starts, he, he, he goes over, he takes a hit of the nitrous and he goes to hand it to Jerry Seinfeld and Jerry's just doubled over and he's like, that is the funniest thing I've ever seen. But best idea wins. Best right? idea like, wins. It can come from anywhere. Because he did it. Right. Yeah. And so I think that it, and back to making people feel safe and they should know that we want to win. So if you can help us win, speak up. Don't hide that thing that you didn't do a great job at. Like if your leg is broken and we're about to run on the field, I need to know if your leg's broken. Right? Exactly. But at the same time, if you have an idea that will help us win. I get, I get a lot of that from you. That that's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I try I try to be accessible, uh, within, within my organizations as mm -hmm. well. So we use Slack really heavily within the technology org. And so I have individual team members just slacking me random things, random ideas, random cool. photos of their dogs and cats. And it's just great. I love to connect with people in that yeah. way, because at the end of the day, it's, you know, this hierarchy of how things, again, how they look in workday, mm -hmm. it's just a construct. It's not real. Yeah. We all do the same job. We just have different stewardships, right? Like we, we, we just get to make decisions yeah. of different orders of magnitude. Yeah. And so we're held accountable for different things, but yeah. I think of people. it like a military unit. Like uh, if we have a mission, okay, we're all soldiers on that mission. Maybe I'm driving the truck. Maybe you're fixing the truck. Maybe you're blasting the door, but we all do the same thing. We just do the same thing through the completion of different things. That's right. That's it. As unspecific as I could possibly be. <laughs> right. Ready for some rapid fire? Okay. Here, All let right. me, let me, let me stretch. Here we go. I, I think I'm going to need I've, I've always found that as much as people love knowing what you know and learning from you, they like to know who you are. Okay. So here mm. we go. Mm. What music group do you hate? You thought I was going to say love. Hate. Yeah. Uh, everyone hates Nickelback. They do. I hate it's, Nickelback. It's like, it's this kinda, is how you remind oh, me what I really am. <laughs> it's like, no, stop. Stop. It grates on you. Um, but the crazy thing about Nickelback to me is Nickelback, Nickelback kind of unites the world. Like it's kind yeah, of it's there. So, we all hate them. Yeah. What a weird thing. Like how would it be to be Chad Gro uh, Kroger <laughs> and have everybody hate you for really no reason? Like, no, I mean, I think there's good reason. Yeah. But like the fact that the world kind of just was like, cool, I'll hate him too. Like most people don't hate him because they hate him critically. It's just accepted <laughs> that you hate Nickelback. It's weird. All the music's the same. Right? It's all the same. No, I know. You're totally justified to hate him. Okay, thank you. I, I feel, I'm feeling that, a little defensive right yeah, now. Yeah, I have a friend from Canada. Shout out Chris James. And he, he's always like, he challenges people. He's like, you have no reason to hate Nickelback. And I'm like, hey, it's just a thing the world's doing. We just kind of all hate Nickelback. <laughs> 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 Great answer. Uh, who do you love? Who's one of your favorite music groups? Well, okay. Keeping with the Canadian theme, Rush. Oh, you like Rush. Love Rush. Okay. Oh my gosh. And Neil Peart. Oh my gosh. Rest in peace. Yeah. Best drummer, Best drummer ever. ever. Yeah. Um, my first concert I ever went to was the Rush Roll the Bones. Really? Concert tour. And it came through um, Lubbock, Texas and the Coliseum. When Rush comes to Lubbock, what happens? Is it insane? Uh, everybody go? I actually don't remember. Um, it was definitely packed and we had... Uh, floor seats and so I had to stand on a chair because we were at the very back I mean, I'm short 
in case <laughs> it's not obvious. Um, and I just, I, my sister dragged me out. I think we lied to my parents and said we were going to go study at the library or something. And you went to Rush. And we went to, to see Rush. Neil Peart and my whale. sister, Julia, shout out to Julia. She's my favorite human. Um, she, she dragged me out. That's awesome. Um, you've read a lot. What's the most recent book you read or what are you reading right now? Mm. Are you a, like a three book at a time type person? No, one at a time. I've become like a two or three at a time person lately, which is really no, weird. Then it all mixes together. I Can't know. do it. I okay, know. so um, I'm revisiting Monday Morning Leadership uh, with because with with my with my book club thing that I'm doing, I just love that book. Even as a senior leader, there are just such nuggets of brilliance that are true, mm. and so I like to revisit that. Um, most recently, though, or uh, most impactful recently, like what's the most what's the one you've read that's like actually like changed the way you think about something? Ah. Uh, um, predictably irrational, Dan Ariely. So it's That's a great title. Yeah. It's uh it's all about behavioral economics mm. and just that, you know, the whole economic theories are based upon rational decision-making and humans aren't rational. Wow, so it's yeah. this intersection of sort of human psychology with, uh, economics and how we make decisions about things in general. And that's it's really like, interesting. Yeah. So that one I need books like that every now and then, like if I read too many that are exactly like the same and like developmental and leadership and sales, which is mostly what I consume. But every now and then I like something like that where I'm like, I just read the experience economy. Have you read that yet? Mm -hmm. Me and Taylor were just Taylor West. We're just geeking out about it. You should read it. It's amazing okay. because it, it talks about, um, it talks about really how to be customer obsessed. Like everybody wants to be customer obsessed, but there's a certain way to do it. Right. Like yeah. it's kind of like this idea where I saw this thing the other day where if you were to see Metallica, you look at Metallica and you're like, Metallica is four people, but Metallica considers themselves like a hundred people. Cause if it's four dudes up there playing instruments, it's not the same. You got your lighting guy, you got your pyro guy, you got your sound guy, you got your roadie, you got your, your agent, you got your booking guy, you got your it's a team animator. It's, it's, yeah, it's a full team. And so the experience economy talks about how the world has shifted to not a service economy, but an experience economy. And there's all sorts of like tangible data that says, no, people are actually spending more money to have certain experiences. That's right. Um, but it talks about like breaks down how to do it. it it was very insightful it gave me a lot of ideas and as you create tech and stuff it's it'll be interesting oh anyway. cool thanks um what uh, is the most recent documentary you you watched do you watch documentaries i do or series what series okay hold on there okay there was i don't remember the name of it but there was this one about the mcdonald's monopoly game and how there was this crazy um uh what is it called? Like, uh, a, like a conspiracy, right? A like, conspiracy yeah. theory. So it was, a, it was not just a conspiracy theory. There was actually a, uh, I'm like totally blanking on the name of like this, this mafioso t sort of situation going yeah, on yeah. where um, people were scamming it. So it was this huge I've heard scam. that's true. So is it true? According to the documentary yeah. series. And so I think it was on HBO and it was fascinating. And there were just these really crazy players involved. And that's, it's the Monopoly game of McDonald's, yeah. which yeah. you think would be pretty innocuous. But That's wild. Yeah, so that one's a fun one. You should read about that. And I was yeah, like, oh. I, I, the, I remember the hearing that like it was like some employee or something like was getting the information or the, the rare pieces to like their friends or something. That's right. That's it. That sucks. Here I am thinking I can like win. I know. I was like, and I'm going to win something. I was yeah, like, I no, won free French fries. Yay. I was doomed from the very beginning. Exactly. Um, what else do I have on here? What's your favorite hobby? So we started this year saying, I didn't know you were an accomplished violinist. Yes. Not just that you're good at it, but you actually 
play and perform? I play in a symphony. I play in a string quartet. I love to perform in groups. So I was telling you, I have really bad stage fright for the first, I don't know, minute Mm -hmm. that I'm performing by myself. So I feel a lot happier when I'm performing in a group. Oh, cool. So I play the violin. Um, I am a sourdough baker because I think everyone picked up sourdough baking in the pandemic. But then I got oddly competitive about it um okay. and a uh, competitive sourdough bakist yes I like it. yes so that that's been sort of fun and then uh from a sports perspective i grew up playing tennis so mm. I, I played tennis competitively through high school um but now i'm just sort of you know pelotoning no okay. well i tore my rotator cuff in 2007 and then after i rehabbed it i rough I was just like, ah, I think I, I think tennis and I are done with each other yeah. at this point. But you've been hitting the Peloton. Hitting the Peloton. We should follow each other. I'm recently big on the Peloton. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Did you get a bike plus? No, or? I've had the bike for a while. And I'm like, um, I think Peloton is actually, I'm fascinated by Peloton because it, like my friend group shouldn't be into it. It's an exercise bike, but they're so into it. Like, oh yeah. Because the, 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 the experience again is so awesome. Like the fact that you get performance data. I mm-hmm, love that. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's really fast. I mean, I, I, I'm like the, like the 20 minute workout is kind of my jam. Like I just feel like that's what I have time for. And 20 minutes on the Peloton kills me yes. like nothing else could. But then it's a social thing too, because it's like, Oh, I can, like I can go on there and be like, Sandy took this class. I'm going to try and beat her. I'm gonna see and then I'm going to text you later and be like, I beat Hey, you. I beat you or you were really fast on that one. Like, you know what I mean? And so like, it, it has become this product that I actually, I mean, we're talking about it. Yeah. That alone. No, you know it, I, mean? I mean, it is a brilliant product because of the community and because of the content, because it's not about the bike, but like in the, in the pandemic, I joined a power zone club pretty much. So we had a group and we would do challenges against other groups mm-hmm. and we were like cheering each other on mm-hmm. and we were, you know, communicating on Facebook together. So we had a Facebook group where we'd communicate with each other. And these are people I just don't know at all. But then your Peloton. Yeah, they're my Peloton friends. And you know, one of them would get a new job and we'd be like, hooray, someone would break their foot. We'd be like, boo. Um, (laughs) And it was just awesome. awesome. It's like real life. It's real life. And I would, I was in the best shape of my life, like middle pandemic time. Does your husband ride too? He does not ride as much as I do, but he My also wife doesn't like it either. Yeah. He's like, it's okay. And I was like, I'm going to ride for 60 minutes. I wonder if it's a certain personality type. Cause they kind of hook me. Like I, I want the streaks and I want the, like, I'm really spotty. I'm completely out of it or I'm on it. On it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of out of it right now, but have, have you done the FTP it. test and yes. power zone? Yeah, yeah. And that helps. That's the thing that got that me helps. addicted. I was like, I yeah. want to beat my next FTP. Well, and when you're riding, it gives you a percentage where it's like, Hey, you're only at like 50%. Like you're not really pushing it. That, that helps me more than heart rate yeah. to say like you're competing against your best. And that's the thing. Like, I don't really care too much about beating you. But I do oh, care. Oh, I care about beating you. Okay. Well, now we know. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> but I do care about beating my best. Like, that's the thing where if it's like, oh, you rode that ride at 60%, I'm like, mm, yeah. I don't like the way I feel. But if it's like, hey, you pushed it, I like that. Yeah, anyway. totally. Well, hey, I'll, I should let you get back to your day. Awesome. But thank you so much for joining us. It's been very impactful. I think it'll, it's really important for the, for the people across the company and, and interested in the solar space to know where we're going and to hear such a capable, sure. talented leader talk about the plans. I, I really appreciate it. It's very valuable. So thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. If you're listening to this and interested in joining our teams, DM us on Instagram at run the league. What are you waiting for? Run the league. Shoot us a DM and let's get going.